her mother's words, instead of destroying her, here's what she said. Instead of destroying me, they made me more ambitious because I think, you know, I'll show them. I'll show her. I'll show everybody. This is what 100% belief in yourself looks like. This is what belief in your art looks like. Today's episode is sponsored by my free masterclass, How to Sell More Art. If you're looking to sell more of your art, you're not going to want to miss this eye-opening training. It is absolutely the most popular free class I've ever done. And July 2021 may be the last time I teach it live this year. So if you're interested, head on over to shulmanart.com forward slash masterclass. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hey there. This is Miriam Shulman, host of the Inspiration Place podcast. You're listening to episode number 149, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Today, we're talking all about two artists who have shows right now in New York City, the late figurative painter Alice Neal and the abstract Ethiopian-born artist Julie Moretu. In this episode, you're going to discover what relentless commitment to your art looks like and why you can paint or create doesn't necessarily have to be a painter. You can create your art in a style contrary to what's popular and still make it as an artist. By the way, I wanted to make sure you're, you're signed up for one of my free masterclasses happening July 14th and 15th. If you want to discover how to sell more of your art and your art classes, this is for you. I used to focus on all the wrong things, which totally sabotaged my sales. Until I stumbled upon the secret to selling anything, including art, and I realized that made the difference between starving artists and successful ones. And I came up with a simple solution called the Passion to Profit Planning Framework to help artists develop their businesses so they can have the time and freedom to create art and do what they love. Now, since then, I've used this framework to build a wildly successful art business that I love. And as founder of the Inspiration Place, I've coached so many other artists just like you to create sustainable income from their art as well. So I'm hosting a live masterclass called How to Sell More of Your Art, and it doesn't require reels, TikTok, or being Insta-famous. So if you want to find out the secret to that framework, I would love to invite you showmanarts.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover why your success is not measured by your social media following, how to break free from those social media chains and go way beyond starving artist mindset to uncover what's really sabotaging your success. You'll also hear why most artists get stuck and inspiring artists who were definitely not stuck and have built a sustainable income selling their art. So you'll want to see how they did it. Join me by going to shulmanart.com forward slash masterclass. All right, now on with the show. 
If you're listening to this as it goes live in 2021, there are two must-see exhibitions in New York City right now. One of them is at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and the other's at the Whitney. We're going to start first with the Metropolitan. At the Metropolitan, it's a blockbuster exhibition, which means like 15 galleries filled with this artist's work. So I want you to meet Alice Neal. She's known for her psychologically disturbing portraits that she created during the 20th century. She initially painted in Greenwich Village. She moved to Spanish Harlem. And she painted portraits while most artists during that time shunned representational artwork, especially portraits. But she did it anyway, and she gained prominence by painting portraits of other artists, other art world figures, such as Andy Warhol and other well-known public figures. I want to tell you more about her because her story is really an inspiration to us all, no matter what kind of art you create. Alice Neal was born at the dawn of the 20th century, and she wanted to be an artist. But her mother told her, I don't know what you expect to do in the world, Alice. You're just a girl. Don't forget, Alice Neal was born in 1900. But instead of accepting the severe limitations of the Victorian era that her mother knew, Neal went off to study at Philadelphia's prestigious Philadelphia School of Design for Women, which is now known as the Moore College of Art and Design. And by the way, in an interview, she shared with art historian Cindy Nesmer that her mother's words, instead of destroying her, here's what she said, instead of destroying me, they made me more ambitious because I think, you know, I'll show them. I'll show her. I'll show everybody. This is what 100% belief in yourself looks like. This is what belief in your art looks like. Throughout her career, she embraced a quasi-impressionistic style. I would say it's closest to the way Van Gogh did his portraits. And she chose primarily the figure as her subject. Now, to the modern eye, this may not seem like such a brave or unusual choice. But don't forget, Alice Neal painted in New York throughout the 1950s when her contemporaries such as Helen Frankenthaler or Lee Krasner were having success painting in the popular abstract expressionist style. Figure painting, that was shunned. That's why she was ignored through most of her career. The art world was focused on abstract expressionism. Plus, let's face it, it doesn't help being a woman. Even today, although 50% of those who call themselves an artist are women, less than 5% are represented by museums or major galleries. The gender gap is real. You walk into any art museum, you're more likely to see a naked woman in the artwork than you are to see artwork created by a woman. I was recently reminded of this in the New York Times. They were featuring the art chosen by the presidents. And by presidents, we're talking about from JFK all the way through Biden. They listed all the different presidents and what art they had in the Oval Office. I couldn't find a single painting created by a woman in that entire list. 
even Joe Biden's list. Now, Joe Biden had paintings of women. I, that was nice to see, painting of Eleanor Roosevelt, but I didn't see any paintings by women. And if I'm wrong, I would love to be corrected. You can send me a DM over on Instagram or put a comment on my blog in the show notes. I'd love to be proven wrong about this. So getting back to Neil, so she was largely ignored and it was a therapist who actually suggested she start painting her art world friends. And this choice made her career. She painted noted figures, like I said, like I mentioned before, Auntie Warhol, whose name you know. Other names I could list you may not be as familiar with, art historians, art critics. Basically, she painted those who held sway in the art world. And she also painted drag queens, drug addicts, the poor, the disenfranchised. She was a civil rights activist, and she sometimes considered herself a communist, but mostly she used her art to make statements about social justice. Here's a quote by her, quote, for me, people come first. I've tried to assert the dignity and external importance of the human being. She loved studying people. Even when she wasn't painting, she was always studying people. So her art is used to make social commentary about people. Now, the show that I saw at the Metropolitan Museum is running until August 1st. And if you missed that, it's traveling to San Francisco, as well as the Guggenheim in Spain. I want to tell you a little bit more about her because I found her life so fascinating. She had several children. She lost, I believe it was her first child she lost. There is truly a heartbreaking painting in the Met. It's not about the loss of her child, although it kind of is about the loss of her child. If you see the exhibit in the Met, you will turn a corner. They put this painting in an alcove, and I think they did that so that you don't stumble upon it accidentally because it is very disturbing. So it is a picture of a crib death. And that was a crib death that was known in the current events at that time. So very notorious crib death that she depicted. And it's a very haunting painting. But we are known that that death in that painting is a stand-in for the loss of her own child. The next child that she had was taken away from her by her estranged husband. There's a painting of that child as well, Isabetta. So she basically lost two of her children. Now, it's no surprise that like her predecessors, Van Gogh, Rothko, and others, her early lack of commercial success along with these heartbreaking events led to visits to a psychiatric ward and even a suicide attempt. Now, she did have two more children by... Not sure if the second two are by the same father or different fathers. She was known to have a lot of lovers and husbands. But the next two children she raised as a single mother. And yet she never gave up painting the whole time. This whole time. One of my favorite paintings that you'll see at the Met shows her son in a rocking horse in their small New York City apartment. So it's a painting of the son on a rocking horse. But here's what's really important. You know the artist painted while caring for her son because in this painting, she includes a self-portrait of herself in the mirror behind her son. So basically, it, you can see that her son is in their apartment, in their home, 
and there's a bureau behind the rocking horse and there's a mirror on the bureau and you can see Alice Neal reflected. You can see the artist reflected in the mirror. So she's showing you how she's integrating caring for her children and being an artist. She balanced both. She showed it was possible to be a mother and an artist. You'll also notice throughout her paintings a striped chair. This was part of her own furniture, and it's like a recurring character that appears throughout the exhibition. Now, one of the other things I love most about Neil, most about her art, are her unsentimental portraits of mother and children. They're really radical. She has radical paintings of nude pregnant women, women in childbirth, and women nursing. Just radical and and brutal depicting women's pain of childbirth. I've never seen anything like this before. It's truly stunning. She truly broke all the rules. Don't forget, she's painting during a time where it was scandalous for I Love Lucy to appear pregnant. Lucille Ball to appear pregnant on TV. And here she was painting pregnant nudes. Neil's relentless commitment to her art did pay off. And at the end of her life, she enjoyed a retrospective at the Whitney in 1974. At the age of 74, she was born in 1900. So she was a child of the century. That's a big deal for a living artist. That our next artist is also having a, a retrospective at the Whitney as a living artist. We'll get to her in a moment. When Alice Neal passed away in 1985, she had, let's call it a Joan Rivers-worthy memorial service at the Whitney Museum, which was attended by then luminaries such as Mayor Ed Koch. And in addition, the poet Allen Ginsberg gave his first public reading of his poem White Shroud at her service. So the 2021 Blockbuster exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art places Neil and her art in the canons of art history as one of the greats. And I do hope you'll get a chance to see it. If not there, perhaps where it's traveling. And if not there, come on over to my website in the show notes, shulmanart.com forward slash 149. I've linked to a blog post I did in 2014 that has a lot of images of her art, also links to books about her art. And then I'm also linking to a YouTube video, which is a broadcast from a Facebook Live I did earlier this year, which shares a lot of the art. So if you want to see the art, I invite you to go there and see it. Okay, next, I want you to meet Ethiopian-born American artist Julie Moretu. Now, she didn't have to wait until her 70s to have a retrospective. I believe she's 51, and she's got a boundary-breaking mid-career exhibition at the Whitney Museum of Art. And this is a powerful symbol of progress. She's an example of a contemporary Black female painter who is already famous. Remember I shared that women make up less than 5% of art represented in museums? Well. Black artists make up less than 1%. And she is a member of both minority groups. So this is truly groundbreaking. And not only does this show showcase a woman, but it was also curated by two women. So I want to give them mentions as well. Christine Kim, Curator of Contemporary Art at Los Angeles County Museum of Art, and also hopefully I'm saying it right, Ruheko Hockley, an assistant curator 
at the Whitney. This Whitney show features about 30 canvases, 40 works of paper, and it's interesting to compare her career trajectory to that of Alice Neal. So, Moretu paints abstract, and Neal paints figurative. Here's the kicker. You would expect Moretu to paint figurative paintings because what's popular right now, especially among Black contemporary artists, is figure painting and portrait painting. Ever since, I don't know if this is really marks the hallmark beginning of it, but definitely starting with Obama's choice to have Amy Sherald, who painted Michelle Obama's portrait, and Kalind Wiley, who painted Barack Obama's portrait, the rise of the Black figure artist and portrait artist has been highly in demand as a way for them to express their own narratives. And I will link to yet another Facebook Live. I'm going to link to actually to the YouTube video, but it was was initiated on Facebook Live that I did about the rise of the Black portrait painter. So you can learn about how important that has become in the last, I would say, 10 years. And here is an artist painting contrary to what you expect. So Alice Neal was painting in the 1950s when abstract painting was in vogue. She was painting figurative art. And Julie Moretu is painting abstract art when you would expect her to be painting figurative art. What that shows us is that you can paint in a style that's contrary to what's popular and still make it as an artist. If you have 100% belief in yourself and 100% belief in your art, you can follow your passion and be true to yourself. All right, so I included the links of everything I mentioned in the show notes. We have a wonderful lineup the next couple weeks. I've already interviewed these authors. They are amazing. And I hope that you will hit that subscribe button. Next week, we have The Introvert's Edge, How Shy Artists Can Sell More Art. That is with Matthew Pollard. We still draw our energy from being by ourselves. But if we learn strategies and systems, we can learn to enjoy these so-called extroverted arenas. I'll go as far to say, I believe that an introvert can actually outsell, out-network, out-lead, out-public speak any extroverted counterpart because they wing things. And the truth is, when you wing things, you can't recreate them and you can't perfect them. So introverts have an unbelievable ability, but again, if they run their energy too low, it can go horribly wrong. So you have to know, just because you're finding it easier because you're enjoying it now, doesn't mean that you still don't draw your energy from being by yourself. Following week, stories that stick with Kendra Hall. If you ever struggle with getting your work sold or whatever it is, stories as a strategy, having yourself differentiated from everybody else, stories as a strategy is a winner all the way. And as I've gotten older, I've realized so many more of the barriers to any success or experiences that I'm seeking have much less to do with the stories that I am or am not telling out into the world and everything to do with the stories I tell myself, stories I tell myself about what I'm good at, what I'm capable of, what I deserve, what I don't, you know, what failure is, what it isn't. I have had to systematically dismantle 
many stories in my life to get to where I want to be. She is a firecracker. You're not going to want to miss that episode either. Then early August, I have Kara Golden, who founded Hint Water Company. I've always believed that for me to spend time with anything, whether they're people or their products or a sport, I have to enjoy it. It starts there. In order to have an experience with it, you have to want to engage in some way. But to actually buy it again, you have to have other elements that allow the consumer to want to engage. You know, whether that is a product, like I said, a sport, a service, you know, a piece of art, there's a tremendous amount of feeling that goes along with that. That's where consumers want to you know, spend more time with it is when they really appreciate the aesthetic part of it. She really was so inspiring. I One of my favorite interviews. I can't wait for you to hear it. So hit the subscribe. I hope that you'll join me then. Don't forget, if you liked today's episode, go check out the video I did of Neil. We'll link that into the show notes. All right, my passion maker. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I'll see you same time, same place next week. Stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com.